This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. But I want to go back a little bit, and then we'll get into this week's Pasha. I want to go back a little bit to Pasha's Kairach. Last week's Pasha, I wasn't here last week. Was I here last week? I don't remember. Was I here last week? No, Rabbi, what's it called? Rabbi, um, Rabbi Lamb? Oh, my Trotsky, right, right, Trotsky, okay. Get all my weeks mixed up. All right, so I wasn't here last week, so I just want to tell you a little bit um, about Torah from last week. So, there's a, a very interesting Pasuk in last week's Pasha where Korach went up against, um, when Korach went up against Moshe Rabbeinu and Korach said, Kulano Kedoshim, we're all holy. Everyone's holy, everybody's equal. He actually made fun of Moshe Rabbeinu. He, he, he um, put on a, a beged of all tchelas, of all blue wool. And he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, there's a, there's a regular beged that has four corners. So you have, um, in the tzitzes, you have a string of blue wool. So he said, but if the whole beged is made out of blue wool, do you need tzitzes? And the luck is that you do. But what he was trying to say is that if Kulub Kedosh, if everybody's holy, you don't need, you don't need a leader. You, you, Moshe Rabbeinu, you made yourself a leader. You, you, you're just like us. We're all, we're all equal. All men were created equal. Sounds like the Constitution, right? Um, but Akash Baruch made, you have to have a leader. Akash Baruch made Moshe the leader and made Aaron HaKohen the Kohen Gadol. But that was his taina. Kulam Kedoshim, we're all holy. And that was getting out of hand because that's what everybody wanted to hear. Equality. Sounds much like today, right? Equality. You can't tell me what to do. You know, we're all equal. So, they started raging. They started, uh, it started to spread through Klai Yisrael. And uh, 250 of the leaders followed this movement that um, everybody's holy and nobody can tell you what to do. And part of that group was Dosan Vaviram. These two Rishayim, very bad people from the beginning of Moshe Rabbeinu when he came out of, out of the palace of, of Paro, they already started up with him. They're the ones who told Paro that he killed the Egyptian. So they were, they were bad to the bone, and they were part of this group. There was one person in this group, you all know the story, right? Om Ben Peles. And when everybody dies, and everybody goes down, everybody's swallowed into the earth, it mentions Dosan Vaviram, it mentions Korach Vadoso, right? But Om Ben Peles is not there. So, what happened with Om Ben Pelas? Why wasn't he swallowed up? He was part of the whole group. Because when they went on their way to attack Moshe Rabbeinu, they came to pick up Om Ben Pelas. His wife, who was a smart woman, who said, I don't understand. If Korach's right, and he should be the leader, so he's going to become the leader, but everyone else is going to die. In other words, Owen, you're from, you're from Ruvain. You're not from Shevet Levi. So you can't take over Aaron's um, Kuhuna Gedolah. You're not going to be able to take it over. So, so you're not going to win. You're going to follow this guy. Even if he's right and he becomes, you know, Aaron, you're going to die when you bring the Ketorah. So she said to him, I, I don't know what you're doing. But he was already gave his word to Korach that he was part of the group. So he was willing to die not to back out and look silly because he already said, I'm going to go with you. So she got him drunk. She gave him a lot of wine to drink. 
and he fell asleep. And they knocked on the door. And she came to the door without her hair being covered. She uncovered her hair. Of course, the married woman had to have her hair covered. She uncovered her hair. Ooh. Karach saw she uncovered her hair. She said, you're not a from lady. And if you're not a from lady, we don't want your husband as part of all of us tzaddikim. You're going to cause us trouble because you're married to a non-from lady. So they ran away. It's a very interesting lesson. I don't know really how to give it over. And I'd have to be very careful how to give it over. Because sometimes you can be so from about something. They were so worried that her hair was uncovered, but they were going against Hashem. They were murdered by Malchus. They were going against Moshe Rabbeinu. They were going against Hashem. They are going against... My, you're worried about her hair? You're, you're going connected to God and you're worried that her hair is uncovered? And she wasn't coming with them. It was her husband. Oh my God, you're married to a lady whose hair is not covered. We don't want you. What do you mean you don't want to... You're in Russia. You're going against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's going on here? Be careful how to talk about this because we don't want the people that at least have something to throw that away. But you have to be very careful that, you know, you have to be very focused and you have to have clarity. She wasn't the problem over here. These guys were going to do like a big sin. But the question everyone asks, why did she uncover her hair? Why don't you pull her skirt up a little? If she were to come to the door with a short skirt, (laughs) forget about it, right? Why specifically did she uncover her hair? There's a very beautiful answer to this. And the answer is, she specifically uncovered her hair because she said, Korach, you're a fool. Learn from my hair. No two hairs grow from a single follicle. And here comes, you have a hair, it's in a little hole that grows in your head or wherever it's coming out of. Not working? Not on? You're moving roof? She is the camera. That might be a good thing. Might not be such a bad thing. So, so what she was saying is that no two hairs grow from one follicle. So, you can't have you, Korach, and Moshe, and you can't you and Aaron be Kohen Gadol. No two people can be in the same spot, in the same place. So she specifically, she didn't pull up her skirt, she specifically showed him, look, on a person's head, this is not going to work. It doesn't work that way. Every hair has its own follicle, its own little hole that it grows out of. But he didn't chop. He didn't chop. Okay, anyway, that's not really the, the, the point that I want to make. So, listen to this. He says, He sends a message to Dustin Vaviram that he wants to talk to them, and they make fun of him. They, they make fun of him. You took us out of a land of Eretz Zabat Chalud which was Mitzrayim. He was using the words that describe Eretz Yisrael to describe Mitzrayim. Dustin and Viram were rotten to the core. And they said, Lo Nale, watch out what comes out of your mouth. You know what they said? Moshe Rabbeinu said, Come talk to me, I want to make peace, right? So what should have they said? We're not going. They didn't say we're not going. They said, Lo Nale, we're not going up. What's the up? So Rashi says, it's a teeny little Rashi. And Rashi says, from their mouth came a prophecy. 
They said we're not going up. You know why they were not going up? Because the ground's going to open up and swallow you and you're going to go down. So they said, Lo, they should have said we're not going. They said, Lo, nale. we're not going up, says Rashi. Yeah, we're not going up because we're being swallowed down. So what came out of their mouth was their, was their, their own destiny. But anyway, and Moshe became very angry at, at this whole situation. And he said to Hashem, don't turn to their mincha. Don't, don't listen to them. Don't, but he said, he davened that their tefillah should not be answered. Which, why would he daven that their should not be answered? I'm just looking for the pasuk. You don't daven that somebody else's tefillah shouldn't be answered, right? It's an unbelievable word on this. Let's see where he says it. Ay, 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 ay. I don't see the puzzle, but he, he, that's what he says. He says, don't, don't be macabre with the There's a puzzle where he says, don't be macabre with the So everybody asks, what do you mean? Why do you have to dive and don't be macabre with the They're, they're, they're going against Hashem. Why would Hashem be macabre with the Why do you have to dive into Hashem that Hashem shouldn't listen to their tefillah? And the terror is that tefillah is so powerful that if you dive in for something, even if you're a big Russia and you're doing something really bad, that person's tefillah has the power to come true. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to dive into Hashem that a Baruch should not be makabal their tefillah. So imagine if you dive in for the right thing. If you dive in for the right thing, your tefillah will surely be makabal. But the point I want to make is like this. And I, I spoke about this this past Shabbos a lot. Not chatzushalm anybody in this room, but we have, a, we have a way of doing Averis and doing things that are bad and rationalizing them. Making them in our head. Sometimes we can do the biggest Avera and make it into a mitzvah in our head. Because nobody wants to be bad. Nobody wants to do something that's bad. So sometimes you rationalize before you do it. And sometimes you do a bad thing and then you back into it and you rationalize. The, the, the greatest example of this is Sidaim. Because Avram Avinu never went to Sodom to do Kirov. Now Avram Avinu was the biggest person in the world who did the biggest Kirov, who has changed the world. He took the whole Canaan, who were Avodah guys, and he, and he made yeshivas, and they, and, and, they, and they did tshuva, and they believed in Hashem, and they believed in one God. He was amazing power to do tshuva. Why didn't he go to Sodom? Hashem said that Sodomites are sinning. He should have gone to Sodom, got up on a milk cart like he did in, 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 in Canaan, and started preaching God. He never went to Sodom. Even when Lot went to Sodom, he didn't visit Lot in Sodom. He never went to Sodom. All he did was pray for Sodom, and his prayer was, if are there 50 tzaddikim, are there 30 tzaddikim? Are there 10 tzaddikim? One second, if you're asking that question, then why don't you go to Sodom and make 10 tzaddikim? Why don't you make 50 tzaddikim? Why don't you go talk to them? They were evil people. 
You could, you could bring him back to Tshuva, but he never went. He only went to save in the war, but he never went to talk to them. And the Territ says, if you read the Chronicles of Sodom and the laws of Sodom and the, the Torah of Sodom, Sodom had a, had a Bible. And in their Bible, they said the following. And you know what? If I lived in their time, I think I might have followed them. I think I would have agreed with them. Because what was their Bible? Their Bible was like this. The law was, if someone's caught giving an, another person to eat, they kill them. If someone heals another person, he's a doctor and he tries to heal somebody, they kill them. If, the way, how did they kill him? If the person was tall, they put him in a little teeny bed and they cut his legs off. And he bled to death. If a person was short, they put him in a big bed, they stretched and pulled all his bones out and his neck out and everything dislocated, and they killed him that way. Very evil, very, very savage people. And then there was a girl that they caught, and she was giving a poor man to eat, and they said, oh, you think you're so sweet, we're going to make you sweeter, and they poured honey on her, and they put her by a beehive, and all the bees came out and bit her to death, and when Hashem heard her screams, then Hashem said, finito, it's over. Now, if you went to Sodom, they would tell you, well, anyone who gives charity, this guy Abraham, who lives on the other side, who has a house that he gives poor people food to eat, and he has an amulet that he wore that makes sick people healthy, he's an ivory, he's on the other side. God hates him. He's, he's an apikyrus, he's an anti-God. Why? Here was their tyra. You ready for their tyra? This was their tyra. If God made you poor, if God made a person poor, then the greatest sin in the world is to interfere with God. If God wanted him to have food, he'd give him food. God doesn't want him to have food. You as a human being have the chutzpah to mess what with God is doing? You're giving a hungry person to eat? Death! You're an apicarist. You're the biggest anti-God. Somebody is sick? Because Baruch made someone sick and you come along, a human being, and you mess with that? And you heal them? You're a Russia. You have to die. And why do we kill the person the way we kill the person? Says because the man who's poor and he's collecting charity means he's not happy with the lot that Hashem gave him. Hashem made you poor. Why are you trying to change that? Why are you collecting money? So it must be that if you're tall... You're not happy being tall. Because you're just not happy with the way God made you. So we're going to make you short. If you're short, probably not happy about being short because you're not happy about being poor or sick and you're going for help. So we're going to make you long. Tyra, punishment, reward. They had a whole, whole Sodom Torah that they learned in school and they learned in yeshiva and they had their little Shulchan Aruch and everything made sense. Don't help anybody. Don't mess with God. There's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. And the Mishnah says in Perak Hey. Perak Hey. I know it's in Perak Hey. And the Mishnah says the following. It was really a Torah. Listen to this. Chamisha Devarim. Abba Devarim, Abba Devarim, Abba Devarim. Hold on.
No. Arba midos for Adam. Oh, Arba midos for Adam. There are four midos in a human being. Ha'omer shali shali. A person who says, mine is mine. V'shalcha shalach. And yours is yours. Zemidabaninus. That's an average person. Mine's mine. I don't want yours. You don't want mine. Everything is good. Right? Sounds like, what's a Russia? A Russia is mine is mine and yours is mine. What's a Tadek? Mine is yours and yours is yours. What's a fool? Mine is yours and yours is mine. It's not a fool. So, the Mishnah says, Yeshayrim, but there are rabbis that say that a person who says, mine is mine and yours is yours, which sounds like the average person, Zumidas Sedaim. That's within the laws of Sedaim. In other words, mine is mine and yours is yours. And if you happen to be sick, I'm not helping you. Mine is mine and yours is yours. If I happen to be rich and you happen to be poor, too bad, that's yours. So the mission tells us that there was this thing in Sodom that they had this Bible. So it sounds to me like they were big tzaddikim. It, it makes sense what they're saying. If God made this person poor, who am I? It's a high wall thing to mess with that. If he wanted him to be rich, he'd have, he'd have money. Like, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Avraham Avinu is messing with everything. God makes someone poor, he gives him to eat. Hungry, he gives him to eat. He's poor, he gives him money. He's sick, he gives him the amulet. It makes him healthy. Sounds like Avraham Avinu thinks he can mess with God. So they called him Ivri. You're on the other side. You're an Apikairis. You're the bad one. You're the bad one. We're the good one. Avraham Avinu said, uh, it could be that they really mean it. So he said to Hashem, I, I don't know, only you know what's, the, what's there in their heads. Are there 50 people in Sodom that really believe in you and are doing this because they really believe in you? Or there are a bunch of murderers, rapists, sadists, and they want to do all this and hurt people and kill people and, and, and torture people, but they felt they have a guilty conscience, so they wrote the Torah of, of Sodom after this to make it all right. Abraham said, I don't, I don't, maybe they really mean it. Maybe they really mean it. Does ISIS, when they kill people and little children and they gas them and they cut them to little pieces, do they, are they murderers and killers? And then said, well, we can't do that. We can't just kill people. So in the name of God... This is what God wants. Well, they really mean it. They really think that that's what their God wants. And there's no question, because the other Muslims that are not radicalized will tell you that we know Islam and we know the Quran, and that's not that's not what it says there, whether it does or not. I, I didn't read the Quran, but but the way, we don't do that. So so the ones that are doing it, they're killers, they're thieves, they're whatever. They but they have to make it right so that Allah. We're doing it for Allah. We're doing it for God. But they're killers and they're murderers and they're not doing it for God. So Ramavino said to Hashem, I, I don't know, are there, are there 30 guys there that really mean this? Or they're just a bunch of killers that rationalize what they're doing so they make laws to make it right. God said, there are not 30 righteous ones in Sodom. And he finally got to 10. Ramavino said, are there 10? And Hashem said, no, there are not even 10. 
So what did it say in the Pasuk? What did Avram do after that? He turned around and he left. Why didn't he turn around and go to Sodom? Oh my God, there's not ten. Hashem, give me a couple of weeks. Right? I'm going to do my thing. We'll have ten. Because he knew that when a person rationalized something and they make it right, they will never do tshuva. You don't do tshuva on something you think that's right. So, so when someone sins and they know they're doing something wrong, right? I just had a whole discussion with a girl. She's not covering her hair. She's married. She's not covering her hair. So she came to me. I didn't come to her. And she said, I don't think you have to cover your hair because the people who cover their hair with wigs, today's wigs, the hair is more beautiful than the person's hair. So it's more attractive to a man when a woman wears an attractive wig. So if I wore a wig, it would be worse than I'm walking around like this with my hair. So I looked her in the eye because I already prepared this year. And I said, let's talk the truth. For whatever reason, not comfortable, I don't know your reason, but you don't want to cover your hair. But then you had to back into it to make it right. I said, because you could buy a shadow that looks like a broom. <laughs> they, they've got them out there. I, I've seen them. Right? You don't have to go buy a $2,000 shadow. Buy a $300 shadow or a $200 shadow that looks like, that looks like whatever. I'm, I'm just saying. And there, you can get a shadow that, that's cut and in such a way that a mamish would not attract a bird. So don't tell me that that's the reason. You decided you don't want to cover your hair. So then you backed into it. Well, those shaitos look... I'm like, okay, so don't wear that shaito. So cover your hair like a Sephardi. And, and, and just cover it without any hair. Why aren't you covering it like a Sephardi? Well, put a hat on. Right, so, so the first thing you need to know is to look in the mirror and say, I don't like wearing a shaito. It's hot, it's heavy, it represents something that I don't like. But But... You're never going to change if you're going to be untruthful and you're going to say, I'm not wearing a shaito because they make shaitos that look nicer. I'm saying, that's not the real reason. A person has to know the truth. You have to look in the mirror. You have to stop bluffing yourself and blaming everything on everything else. You have to look in the mirror. I talk about this all the time. You have to own it. You have to own it. Sometimes in life, we do things because, well, this happened. This Rebbe didn't like... Is that, is that... Is it really because the Rebbe didn't give you attention? that you're acting out like this, or you decided to act, like, act, act out like this, and then go back into your history and try to find something to make it like, okay, it's all right, look, my Rebbe didn't talk to me. You, you have to be very real with yourself. And, and therefore, Avram Avinu walked away and he said, I cannot help these people. They really, they're a bunch of fakers. They wrote a Torah to make it legal to cut someone's legs off, and they feel like, oh, but it's not true. They don't feel like they're doing the right thing. They, they made the whole Torah, and therefore, they never went to Sadaim. And Sadaim had to be totally destroyed. Because when someone rationalizes their sins, what they do wrong, that will never change. And just like the world was destroyed, which I, I didn't understand when I was learning, when I was growing up, there's a Rashi. It didn't make any sense to me. The Darha Mabel was immoral was serving Avaydazara, they were doing all these bad things, there was Shvichas Damim, there was everything there. 
And then Rashi says, why did Hashem bring the Mabal? Because of Gizela. Because of stealing less than a penny. I'm thinking to myself, they're bowing down to idols, they're killing people, they're committing adultery, and Hashem's like, nah, it's okay, everything's okay. Then a hundred guys walked into a food store, each guy took a grape, because a grape's not worth a penny, right? Never the poor guy who owned the food store now had no grapes in the store, because like a thousand guys walked in, each guy took a grape. Where each guy walked in, he was selling sunflower seeds. Each guy took one sunflower seed, now he has none left. But they're not chayiv, or halacha, because Geneva has to be worth at least a shove of puta, right? And they went walking out, they thought it was very funny. And Hashem said, done! I'm destroying the whole world, mabal! What? Because he took a bunch of grapes. And the answer is because they rationalized. Because they did something, and when they came out of the store, they thought it was very funny that they didn't owe this guy anything. They did nothing wrong. Hashem saw that when the door, the generation was changing, and they were doing things, but they did it in a way that you couldn't prosecute them, Hashem said, they will never do tshuva for taking one grape. I took one grape, I have to do tshuva. A grape's not worth a penny. I, the guy in the store, has no grapes left to sell. And he has no more sunflower seeds left to sell. You wipe them out. I, 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 I didn't wipe them out. I took one grape. Because Bofu said, goodbye. You're ne- this generation is never going to do tshuva. And that's when Hashem destroyed the world. And he destroyed Sodom. Because that rationalization that Sodom was doing had to be wiped out off the face of the earth. He didn't just destroy them. He, it, it, to this day, you go to the Yama Melech, nothing grows. He had, he had to rip out of the world this, this rationalization. And, and today there's so much bad behaviors that are being rationalized. And every single person, you have to know what, came, what comes first, the, the behavior or the questions. It's the same thing with all this I don't believe in Hashem business. I'm like, what came first, your, 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 your behavior and then you had to get rid of Hashem and you had to have questions. You actually, you actually make up questions on the Torah because if the Torah really is, then I can't do what I'm doing. So you make up questions to back in to what you want to do. It happened three times in the Torah. And three times in the Torah, it was complete destruction. It happened in the, by the Dor HaMabal with the grapes and that. It happened with Sodom and it happened in Pasha Kairach. Pashat Kairach had to be swallowed up into the earth. Why couldn't they just get a disease? 24,000 people next week's Pasha died in a plague. 24,000 people died in a plague by the, by the Benos Moav. 14,000 people died by the slough we just had two weeks ago. It was a plague. They all died. So why does she have to open up the earth? Everyone had to get swallowed into the earth. Because by Kairach was the same rationalization. He didn't come and say, listen, Rebellion. I, I, I want to I be the king. I want to be Moshe. I want to be Aaron. Rebellion. We're rebelling. Okay, a bunch of rebels. You can talk to them. They can change their mind. No, 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 no. He said, with Tzadikim, with Hasidim, Kulam, Kedoshim. He didn't come and say, I want your job. He's like, what's going on here? Equality. Look at us. We all went through the Yamsuf. We all came out of Kriyas Yamsuf. We all came out of Mitzrayim. We all got the mon. Everybody got the mon, even the dust of Aviram. We're all Kaddish. Moshe Rabbeinu said, 
do not these are people who rationalize what they're doing to the point that a woman uncovered her hair and they wouldn't take her husband. They were so rationalizing that they would sadikim, I should take this guy, his wife doesn't cover her hair, he's going to rule the whole thing for us. It was so psyched in there. But the bottom line is if you break it down, he was jealous. So the jealousy came first. And then came the Kulam Kedoshim. Because if he really came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, I don't understand, like, we're all holy, we all went through the things you went through, how come you're the leader? So if that would have been done with Shem Shemayim, Moshe Rabbeinu, wouldn't have, the whole thing wouldn't have happened. Moshe Rabbeinu saw and he knew, he even wanted to go to Dothan Avim, okay, let's talk about it. They were all talk about it. So he knew that this whole thing was a setup. It was, it was a backed up by pure jealousy. Pure jealousy? They're rationalizing that they're all tzaddikim? Kulam kedoshim? No. Kishbochu, make a new bria, something that never happened before. Shabbat was, was very rough over here. A new bria, the earth should open up and swallow them up, destroy them, don't be a kabbal because once you allow rationalization into Judaism and into our decisions, we, it's over. Because there's no tshuva. If you don't think you did anything wrong, you're going to stand on Yom Kippur. What are you saying? I'll hate. I didn't do anything wrong. So the, the main thing is a person has to be very real. And a person has to be able to look at themselves in the mirror and understand that their behavior, right, own it. Don't point your fingers at everybody. That's usually what you do to make yourself feel better. But at the end of the day, you have to own your life. At the end of the day, you have to own your life. We just lost one of my best friends in the world who changed the world, Rameir Zlatowicz, very, very close to him. And he actually wrote the first art scroll book with the translation of Megillus Esther that he wrote for a friend that was very sick. He was 33 years old when, he, when, when they, they, at that time, they were, just, they were just printing invitations. That's what they used to do. They didn't have any books. They printed invitations. They were printing shops. He wrote this first book he translated. He was 33 years old. He was Nifter at 73. So for 40 years. Do you understand what he did in 40 years? He changed the Jewish world. Every man learns Gemara from an art scroll. Whether it's an English translation or a Hebrew translation. The Yerushalmi, Mishnayis, Chumash, Rashi... Every sitter, every machzer, kinnis on Tishabov, slichus, things that we never even understood one word in. Mishnayis, Mishnabrura, everything. He changed the world. I said, I can't even understand when the Neshama came to Shemayim. He says, the Neshama comes to Shemayim, any person you had an effect on, that you were connected to when you were alive, so they come to, when the Neshama comes, and they bring him into the next world. Chavetz Chaim, he wrote a lot, he, he, Archibald put out all the Chavetz Chaim books. So the Chavetz Chaim had to, had to be there. Rashi, he translated all the Rashis. Rashi had to be there. All the Gemaras, all the Masechtas, Teresh Biksab, all the Chumashim, the Archibald Chumash, the Archibald Rashi. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, whoever was in the Torah, Navi, everyone, David HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech, every Navi. I can't even understand who met him? The Torah had to meet him. 
the actual Torah and Shemayim had to meet him. How many people did he bring closer to Hashem? I, they say that there's never been a marb, someone who was more Marbet's Torah since, since Kabbalah's Torah. Because all the Tanam, all the Maram, all the Rishonim, all the Achroinim, all the people that are learning, that are learning, it's all, everyone, his son was said by the, by the Levi, he said, on the way to the Levi, I'm driving through Borough Park, because it was on 39th Street, and everyone's walking with a, an Archwell Gemara under their hand, going home, going back. The ability of one human being, of one person, 40 years, 40 years, anyone, who, anyone who's over 40 knows, 40 years is very fast. goes very fast. Changed the whole world. Everybody has that crack. And I have to tell you one, one thing about, that I know personally about him. He was always very on time. Always very on time. I remember we had a meeting um, about the book that I let it be, let it be written. I had to be in the office at 10 o'clock. I walked in, Wallerstein, 10 after 10. He says, you know what 10 minutes are worth to me? Do you know what 10 minutes are worth to me? Zachariah. 10 minutes. You know what we can do in 10 minutes? Very on time. Very beseder. To be able to do what he did in 40 years. You have your time has to be very, very designated. Very designated. And the, the second I was, the second year we made Ornava Shabbaton, I'll never forget it. So you have to say, Rabbi Vladowitz, he's sitting in Art Scroll. His Rebbe was Ramosha Feinstein. His best friend is Rabbi David Feinstein and, and uh, Rabbi David Cohn. They used to go in the summer for three, four days, just the three of them alone away. He couldn't reach them. Inseparable. He spoke to Rabbi David every day. You have to say who this man was, right? Sitting in a room, Gemara's, knows every Gadol in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Yashov used an art scroll Hebrew Gemara, not English, but Hebrew Gemara, used to learn in it. And, and they said that Rav Steinman was against translating because then people are not going to do the hard work. But when they came out with the Yerushalmi translation in Hebrew, Rav Steinman was learning it and he said, I agree with what they're doing. So, so Rav Zlatowicz was this Kaddishtika man sitting in Archwell every day, Sfarim coming in, Sfarim going out, Gedoyim in and out. And I invited him to a, to a Or Nava Shabbaton. All girls, right? Totally out of his sphere of anything, but he was very close to me. So he came. It was the second one. The first one we made in uh, the Homo Act. The second one we made in Waterbury. Now it's a water park, whatever. But anyway, so... I'm talking to this girl, to that girl, whatever it is. It's like a quarter to three in the morning. I finished talking to a girl. And I, I, I was in a room somewhere talking to her. And I come out. It's a quarter to three in the morning. Now, here's a man. Goes to sleep on time. Gets up on time. He's like the most besader dick a person. That's how you get things done in life, by the way. If you're all over the place, it's very hard to get things done. And if you're all over the place and you get things done, if you weren't all over the place, you would get ten times as much done. So, I walk out. There's Rabbi Zlatowitz quarter to three in the morning. And he's walking around. I said, Rabbi Zlatowitz? Quarter to three? What are you doing? He says, Zachariah, I don't understand this world. So I'm walking around, I'm watching the girls talking and this and that. I'm just trying to get a feeling and an understanding of what you do. That's what he was doing at a quarter to three a.m. Friday night. He's a pikeach. He's a pikeach. 
and pretty much art scroll was pretty much finished there's not much left to translate he pretty much got it all done really there's not much I know he, they wanted to do projects and goggle no he didn't he didn't translate it he had hundreds maybe thousands of Kailal people and Rabbanim working he, he had a, he had a he used to tell me, he says, I have a yeshiva. You don't see them. I have 500 guys working 24-6, translating all this stuff. I have a yeshiva. You just don't see the yeshiva. It's amazing, amazing man. His levaya was at 2 o'clock. At 3.30, there was another levaya. And that was a levaya of a 20-year-old girl from my school. Malky Klein. Who suffered for many, many years. And I, I went to be Menachem Oval. I mean, she was in my school till she was 18, 17. She's been out of school three years. And tonight I went to visit her father before I got here. So in, in the same building you have Rabbi Zlatowicz and Malky Klein. Potential realized to a crazy level. Potential unrealized to a crazy level. And I was speaking to her father tonight, who's, I never saw a parent in my life give more to a child than this mother and father did. Not normal. Not normal what they did for her. But the pain, the pain won out. It won out. It was love against pain and pain won. But... So he said to me, he picked her up from California. She was living in California. He picked her up on Friday, not this Friday, last week Friday. She came back. And it was, the plane arrived at a quarter to a quarter to seven in Newark, Erev Shabbos. To make a long story short, until she got out of the plane on the internet, Shabbos was 8 or 8.13, Right? So he had to really get back to Brooklyn very fast. But he felt that it was that he had to pick up his daughter. There was no there was no question about it. So he's he's on the uh, belt he's on the what do they call that? Um, not the belt, Staten Island Expressway. So he comes off the Gotham, he's on the Staten Island Expressway. There's a girl that suffered and she went through a lot of stuff in her life. And he comes to the HOV lane. The HOV lane is a, a lane that if you have three people in the car, so all the other lanes are, are, are stopped. It's Arab Shabbos. His waist says that he's getting home two, three minutes after Lichbenshin. He still has the other 15 minutes, but he's, right? And if you get on the HOV lane, you can fly the other lane. But he's only two. It's just him and his daughter. The HOV is for three. In California, the HOV is for two. So Malki says to her father, Ta, we got to get onto the HOV lane. He goes, No, this is New York. The HOV lane is for three. It's not California where you're coming from. The HOV lane is for two. So she says, Well, what's the problem? We are three. The father says, Well, unless there's somewhere in this car that I don't know about. Unless you have a stowaway in your luggage, we're only two. 
She goes, Hashem doesn't count? Hashem's not in the car with us? She told me over tonight. This is a girl that went through all this stuff and she's in a car and she was already not in such a good place at that point and she looks at her father and says, but Hashem is with us. I told her father and I said, I don't think the cop ever heard that one. I think if he, if he would have pulled you over and he would have said, hey, you're only two and you would have said, well, God's in the car. I think either you're going to get two tickets for, for being a wise guy or he's going to be like, wow, I never heard that before. But that was Malky. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tragedy to see um, potential end. Anyway, so the main thing we need to do is that we learn from Korach is n- not to rationalize. If you're jealous, then say you're jealous. I'm jealous. I got a problem. Not so good. I'm not as good as I want it to be. I am jealous. Not I am holy. No, you're not holy. You're jealous. Get real. Look in the mirror. See what what your problem is. And if you realize it's a problem, then you're going to get better. But if you rationalize it, you're not going to get better. I deal with drug addicts all the time. You know what the biggest problem with a drug addict is? He is the best rationalizer, if there's such a word, in the world. He's like, I'm not really a drug addict. I can really stop whatever I want. So I'm like, so then why don't you stop? I don't want. I don't really want. Or it's only this. It's not such a bad thing. Or I can handle it. We rationalize everything. The biggest rationalization that exists in the world, it's the HR's rationalization. I, give, I, I used to give a lot of speeches on Sharm El So I had this one tape on Torah Anytime that's like this crazy tape on Sharm El But a lot of schools are actually... I was in a Lubavitcher school in Florida, and they're like, you're Wallerstein. I'm like, yeah. We heard your thing on Sherman Aguirre. Man, that was unbelievable. I'm like, but are you Sherman Aguirre? I mean, I heard that it was unbelievable. Right? So, so, what I hear the most when I talk about drugs or Sherman Aguirre, all this stuff is, that you're 100% right about guys. Oh, ew, it's, oh guys, can't trust them. So I'm like, so you're breaking up? No, 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 you, you, don't, you don't know my guy Chaim? You're right, most guys, but, but he's different. And you know, I'm different. I have, what do they tell me? Uh, I have my boundaries. I have my boundaries. Don't worry, Red Walton, I have boundaries. I'm like, okay. And of course, their boundaries, the Chachamim understood that. So all this rationalization, I'm different, he's different, I can handle my drugs, my drugs. Uh, Nebuch, we lost a lot of kids. We lost three, I think we're up to four now in the last week, in the last ten days. Three girls and one boy in ten days. And I guarantee you that every single one of them said, I can handle my stuff. Every one of them. I know my dealer. He doesn't give bad stuff. He doesn't give the Chinese stuff. He, every single one of them thought they were different. You know what? They're all the same. They're all on the ground. They're all the same. They're not different. They're all not here anymore. Potential is over. We're not different. That is the biggest rationalization that, that exists in the world that gets us into so much trouble. I am different. He is different. We are different. Situation is different. No, nothing is different. Don't rationalize. If you have a problem, the biggest problem that I have with drug addicts is they can't, they won't 
admit they have a problem. They don't have a problem. It's just once in a while. Same thing with alcoholics. I only drink on Shabbos. I'm not a real alcoholic because I only drink on Shabbos. If I was a real alcoholic, how could I not drink the rest of the week? Is it Raya? I'm not an alcoholic. I'm like, you're an alcoholic. You come home every Shabbos drunk. But I'm a Shabbos alcoholic. But I'm not a real alcoholic, so I don't have to go to get help. And I'm like, really? Can you get through Shabbos without drinking? You can't get through Shabbos. If you cannot get through Shabbos without drinking, do you think about during the week, Shabbos is coming, I need to get a bottle of scotch and this and that. And so if you think about it and you cannot say no, you are an alcoholic. You're able to focus it on one day, but you know what? That one day can kill you. And guess what? That's right now. And as you drink more and more, you get more and more used to it. Then you have problems. You start drinking at work. Start drinking before you get into a car. God forbid what can happen when you get into a car. And you could kill a person. And you're going to tell, well, I didn't think I was an alcoholic. Don't rationalize it. You are out of control. You, I told I, I have friends. So you're out of control. You come home. You, you, you go to sleep. Or you act like an idiot in front of your kids. In shul. You act like a fool. You're an alcoholic. On a, until you stop rationalizing. No, it's Shabbos. Neshama Yisraelis drinking. My other, that's what you call my Neshama Yisraelis drinking. That's why during the week I don't drink. My Neshama Yisraelis is an alcoholic. But my regular Neshama, not an alcoholic. I'm like, you really think there's such a thing as a Neshama Yisraelis that's an alcoholic? Well, then my Neshama Yisraelis is an overeater. For sure. I guess I don't really eat a lot on Shabbos, but the, my Neshama, like, the lesson, the lesson to learn from Kairach is the lesson to learn from Kairach is that you can talk yourself into a frenzy that you're, you're going against Hashem. You're going against the leader of Klai Yisrael. You're going against the Kohen Gadol. You're about to do the biggest Avera. You're about to burn Katyrus in a pan outside of the Mishkan, which is a huge Avera. You're about to do this. And you rationalized that you're doing it because you're a tzaddik. Because you want equality. To the point that you believe it so much that a woman took off her hair covering and you didn't want any part of her husband. That's how far you rationalize that you believe in what you're saying. You can mamish, talk it into yourself and really believe what you're saying. And tonight's share we're going to call It's Time to Be Real. It's time to realize if I'm doing something wrong, it's wrong, and I need to change that. And that had to be swallowed up into the earth. And that had to be the destruction of the whole world. And that had to be the burning out of the whole Sodom. Rationalization, there's no tshuva, there's no conscience. I want to end tonight, sort of, a short Torah on this week's Pasha, Pasha's Chukas, which is Paraduma. By the way, from the first Paraduma that Moshe Rabbeinu did, the last Paraduma which is the paraduma of Mashiach, there are ten paradumas. We are up to number ten. We already brought nine paradumas. We're up to number ten. I heard in Lakewood there's a paraduma. I don't know if it's true. They looked at it. They didn't look at it. It was. It grew two black kids. I don't know exactly what's happening. But when we have the tenth paraduma, it says Mashiach is going to come. I just want to tell you one short part on, on the Rashi, that, on the Rashi in the beginning of paraduma. It says the following. This is the chayk. This is the mitzvah that we don't understand. Right? It says Rashi. What do you mean chukas There's a lot of things we don't understand. 
We don't understand why you can't wear shotness. We don't understand a lot of things, right? That, that, that are mitzvahs. Why can't you eat chazer? Why can't you eat shrimp? What's the reason, right? We don't know the reason. So why is this the big one? So Rashi says, the fish has satan The satan and the goyim, they bother us. Saying, Maha mitzvah What is this mitzvah? What's the reason? The fichach, it's called a chukah. Gezerah melefanai in the chavushish Hashem says, a gezerah. I don't want you to think about this, this mitzvah paraduma. He doesn't say that about any other chok. I don't want you to think about it. So what's going on over here? So the paraduma, it's a much longer shir, but we went off to the others, we went off to last week. Which one I tell you very short. So the paraduma is very fascinating. The Kohen, who's tar, who's pure, takes the ashes with water and sprinkles it on the person who's impure. The person who's impure becomes pure. The Kohen who becomes pure by touching the ashes and sprinkling them becomes impure. Which seems, if we would put this out to the media, right, or maybe even to the psychological world, this seems to be extremely unfair. The good guy who's the Kohen, who's pure and resembles purity, becomes impure? And the guy who's impure becomes pure? That's impossible. If I could make this person pure, if I had the power to make him pure, how could I be impure? I'm super pure. Super pure can make you pure. But if I'm super how do I become impure? Why do I become impure? That's a big question. Why do I become impure? Do I take his impurity? So, Rashi makes no sense. Why? I don't think anyone in this room ever, ever, I'm sure some of you went to college, some of you work in dress stores, some of you work in other stores. Did anyone ever, did any guy ever come up, come up to you and say, you're Jewish? Yeah. Could you explain to me what's the deal with the red heifer? <laughs> like, how does that work? Why does the Kohen become impure? Nobody ever asked me that question. Why are you wearing this on your head? What are those strings? You know what I'm saying? Whatever. I heard a crazy story. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if this is true because it's so nuts. I don't know if it's true, but it sounds... This Jewish guy was surrounded by a bunch of Arabs. I think it was in France. And they were going to hack him to pieces. He took his tzitzes and he said to them in French, if you come one inch closer to me, I'm blowing up my vest. This is what I was told. And they thought that he was wearing a bomb and he had, why would you have strings? And that he was going to implode. And they ran for their lives. Now, I heard the story a few weeks ago. I'm like, I can't even repeat this because... It's so crazy that it has to be true, but they thought he was wearing a vest. They thought he was going to pull the string and blow himself up. So he says his sister saved his life. I didn't see it on Yeshiva World. I don't have Yeshiva World, but you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's not true. But anyway, no guy ever came over to me and said, "What's with the paraduma?" They asked me every other question: What's a mikvah? Why do you wear that on your head? You know, all the questions about Judaism. So Rashi says that the guy I'm going to ask you about, but they don't. Then Rashi says, 
that the Satan is going to come to all of us and say, what's the deal with the paraduma? Why does the good guy become bad and the bad guy becomes good? Now, the Satan's been bothering me since I'm a little boy. It's just not one of the things he ever asked me. How many women in this room, the Satan ever came to you and asked you in your head, in your conscious, what's with the paraduma? Why do you guys do the paraduma? What's Rashi saying here? Rashi's saying that of all the mitzvahs in the Torah, paraduma is the one that the Goyim and the Yitzhahara are going to bother you about. The Goyim don't bother us about it, and the Yitzhahara doesn't bother us about it. But you're, what Rashi ha, if Rashi's saying, it has to be true. But the Territ says like this. This mitzvah, paraduma, represents tzaddik viralai, Russia v'tayvai. The good guy comes out Tomeh. The bad guy comes out Toha. In Hebrew, what they would say is, Hamitzvah Zot Lo Fear. Not fear. Totally unfair. Why, why are you punishing the good guy? He helped this guy. He made him pure. Hashem, you should reward him. Why is the tzaddik suffering? Why is the bad guy doing great? So the representation of what the paraduma represents is something that Goyim bother us all the time. I have been asked many times, you guys are the chosen nation? You guys are the children of God? And you had a holocaust? I am glad I'm not chosen and a child of God. Yeah, that's, that's how they talk. You're special? They ask you that. There's something comes to you all the time. You just took on this mitzvah, extra mitzvah, and now you lost your job? You just started doing this. And, and, and you see many girls who are tzaddikistas. They're tzadikistas. They learn. They dumb three times a day. Went to a muka. They're totally tzniyut. They're careful with Lashon Hara. They're saying shira shirim. They're not married. And then the girl that was hanging around with guys and going to clubs... She's married at age 17. She's already got four kids. And this girl who's it's 30 who did everything she's supposed to, valedictorian, and she's single. And it looks like Hashem is very unfair. So the Satan comes to the very good girls and says, what are you doing? You've got to start going to bars, not to shakhanim. Go to a bar. Your friend went to a bar. She hung out in clubs. She's married with a bunch of kids in a beautiful big house. Look at you. Where are you going? To shul? To a shakhan? Who starts to get into your head? He said, to say, look, Hashem's not fair. The good girls are single, and the, and the other girls, not bad, but the other girls who are messing around, they're married. So the Satan's always in your head. And the guys who are stealing, they're rich. And you are MS, and you do everything correctly, you don't have any money. The Satan lives in that. He lives in Tzaddik Viraloi. He says, Rashi, the Paraduma, what it represents that the Kayan becomes Tameh and the other guy becomes Tahar, what it represents, that the Yitzhahara and the Goyim are going to bother you. And Hashem says, Gezerah milafanai. It's a Gezerah in front of me. You're not allowed to think about this because you're never going to know the answer. Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem, why do good people suffer and bad people party? And Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, unless I show you from the beginning of the world to the end of the world, you cannot understand the gugulim and the tikkunim and what a person has to go through. You cannot understand that. So Hashem says, listen, if you, can, if you can think about it, if you can think about it and come to an answer, think about it. 
But you can't come to that answer. So therefore, don't think about it. Don't think about it, because you're going to come up with all the wrong answers, because you have no idea why you're going through what you're going through. But you have to have a Muna and a Baruch Hu, that whatever it is in the moment is greatness. In every moment that I live, there's greatness, and I need to find it, and I need to grab it, and I need to become a Rabbi Zlotowitz. Every moment there's greatness. He just, he just made a, he did a big mitzvah. He made a book for his friend, and he sold 20,000 copies. The first time they ever sold an a English translation of a book, 20,000 copies. So he looked at Rabbi Sherman, he said, 20,000 copies on a Megillus Esther? Let's translate a piece of, of one Gemara. And that's where it went, and it went, and it went, and it went, and today, the biggest Marvitz Torah ever in the history of Judaism. A plain man, not a plain man, but a plain man from Brooklyn. The biggest Marvitz Torah ever in the history of Yiddishkeit. So everybody has that ability. And you need to find that ability, and you will never find that ability if you rationalize all your, all your stuff. You have to be very real with your stuff, and then you'll grow, and in Bezrat Hashem, we'll see the next part of Duma, which is the 10th, and the 10th part of Duma is Mashiach. Have a good day. Good night. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.